Dealing with anxiety is like dealing with a toxic family member. They're both inconsiderate of your comfort. Well, if you have anxiety, I want you to consider the safe empowerment system for social anxiety over at quietbegins.com. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. This is Paul Coliani, and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. All right, today I am looking at an email that I received from someone in their mid-40s. He sent me an email and asked me if I could cover bullying. And I have covered bullying in a previous episode, not that it was all-encompassing and covered every aspect of it, uh, but it was a, an episode that was important if you've ever been bullied at work or school. And being the victim of uh, bullying myself in high school, not to the extent that uh, some of the readers and listeners of my blog and show have written to me and talked about, but having been bullied I know the feeling of helplessness. I know the feeling of vulnerability. And it, you know, bullying doesn't necessarily start at school. It does the actual act of bullying, but your response to the bullying, it starts before you get to school or before you get to work or wherever the environment is that you're being bullied, even in relationships. For me, my bullying didn't start in school, it happened at school. And it wasn't like I was bullied at home, although there was some of that, but I don't really attribute anything that I went through dysfunctionally wise as, uh, you know, pointing at the bullying at home. But um, when I got to school, I didn't really have the tools or the resources to handle the bullying that came my way. My parents never taught me about bullying. The only thing I ever learned about bullying was uh, something my dad said which was, you know, when they're trying to pick a fight, just see if they're being honest. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? You, you find out if they're honest when they say, hey, I, hey, I want to fight you. And you go, okay, let's fight. And I don't recommend that way, but I did it to this one kid who kept bullying me. I was in like seventh grade and here I am getting bullied by this kid. And he's just picking on me saying, let's fight, let's fight. And I didn't want to fight and I was scared. And I asked my dad, what do I do? And he goes, well, just tell him you want to fight. Let's do it. And I was like, that's crazy. But he said, most of those kids are just talk. I can't say that nowadays. I can't say that kids are just talk. Just like, you know, wherever you work or the relationships that you have in your life, I can't say it's just talk. Sometimes it's real. People are more aggressive nowadays and they're willing to do more aggressive things, more violent things. And so I don't know how different that is from 30 years ago or 25, you know, 28 years ago when I was in school, but it is um, a different environment today. You can, you can tell, but you know, there's more people in the world too. With more people comes more variety and more opportunities to get into a fight. I mean, most of us don't want to get into a fight. We try to avoid fights. And when I was in seventh grade or eighth grade and continuing on into high school, I had this fear of being bullied. So my people pleaser came out and this is what I'm talking about. What we brought into the environment to be the victim of someone bullying us. What, what are we bringing into the environment to be the victim? And I'm not blaming you. I'm not blaming any victim of being bullied. I'm saying that, um, there is a cause and effect. And there is also people are who they are and how you show up is either going to stimulate what's already inside of them. It's going to bring it out 
in them and out of them, or it's going to be neutral where they're not affected at all. And I learned how to not affect people negatively. That's why people sometimes latch on to the people-pleasing skills and techniques that they learned as a kid uh, from their parents probably, is that if you're nice to everyone, you won't experience confrontation. And you know, a lot of people are conflict avoidant. They don't want to experience confrontation. Life is easier when you don't have confrontation. And I would rather have a great day without confrontation. I think, again, most of us would. But what do you do when you do have confrontation? And how do you deal with it? So this is where, this is where the response to bullying is important. And, you know, what is bullying? Bullying is when someone's trying to take away your power and make you feel weak or make you feel bad about yourself. You know, I talk about it in my other podcast, Love and Abuse, where if you're in an emotionally abusive relationship, the person you're with wants to have perhaps some control over you or a lot of control over you, wants to manipulate you, wants to lie to you, and especially wants you to feel bad about yourself. There are aspects of that that are definitely bullying. And so when we look at our environment and the people that we're around, who are we around that we feel bullied by and what are we doing about it? I'm not saying that you have to bully back. I'm not saying that you have to fight. I'm asking you, where do you feel intimidated? Who do you feel intimidated by when these feelings come up? What do you do about them? Do you respond to the person? Do you avoid the person? And if you do avoid the person, what happens the next day? And where does your, whatever it is, fear, anger, whatever upset you're feeling, if there's upset, where does it go? If you don't express it to that person, do you go home and vent to your family? Do you take it out on your family? Do you get angry with your family as if you could somehow transmute that anger to the person that you're really angry to, but instead you don't? So you're just utilizing your family because you feel safe being confrontational there? I mean, we have to consider what happens to that stored energy that we feel when we are in some sort of confrontation and we're unable to resolve it then and there. And so, you know, we have to look at these things in our life and figure out what we're holding on to, just like I was talking about a week or two ago. What we hold on to is what we bring into the future and what turns into other things, other circumstances that we create and practically sabotage our own future and our own relationships. If I was bullied in high school and I had no resolve around that, no closure around that, and I brought that into my relationships in my 20s and my 30s and now my 40s. I brought that fear. I brought that conflict avoidance. I brought that people-pleasing. I'm wanting to placate, wanting to be the peacekeeper, the peacemaker, the neutralizer, the balancer. And these are all good things. I'm not saying that these are problems. However, they become problems when you only have the tools to be the peacemaker, to be the balancer, to be the people pleaser, then you don't have anything else that shows that you're standing up for yourself. You don't have anything else that keeps you honoring yourself because you're too busy making sure that a fight doesn't break out, which is often an interpretation. You believe something will happen, so you placate, so you back off, so you X, Y, Z, you, you do something else that keeps the level of assertion down. When you keep that level of assertion down, then they won't react and you'll have a better day going forward. And sometimes, often, that's true. And I'm not talking about one-off scenarios. You might have a one-off scenario where your partner, your boss, uh, someone in school, if you're still going to school, you might have a scenario where, where someone's being a jerk, where someone's bullying. And it could just be that one moment and they never do it again or they only do it so infrequently that it doesn't really affect you too much. It just comes out of nowhere and you just realize, oh, they're having a bad day. And when that happens, do we have to respond to it or not? And sometimes we make the choice not to. Sometimes we say, you know what, I'm just going to let this go. 
they're obviously having a bad day. I'm going to let it go. And then the next day they're fine. And you realize, okay, that was a good choice because if I had exacerbated that, if I had gone any further with that, then perhaps it would have turned into a fight and you know, we would have been mad at each other at the same time. It could have turned into a resolution like, hey, you need to back off. You know, you might say to, to the, the person bullying you, you need to back off. I don't know what your problem is, but you need to stand down because that's disrespectful. That's kind of where I go most of the time, not all the time. That's kind of where I go uh, because when that comes out, I like to address things as they happen right away. Because if I don't, I'm carrying it with me. If I don't address it right away, I carry it with me and I don't like that feeling. I hate that feeling, actually. I, I don't like the negativity that I feel in my chest, in my stomach. I mean, I used to hang on to anger. And anger would literally eat holes in my stomach. And I went to the doctor and they prescribed medication. And after a while, it would go away. But then it would come back. And then I couldn't eat anything acidic. Fruit, tomatoes, garlic, onions. I couldn't eat any of the good stuff. And um, I still had the anger. There was no closure to that. And it wasn't until I started getting in touch with that anger and allowing myself to respond, to react, to address things in the moment they happen, that my physical symptoms went away. It still caused some damage down there, but I was no longer holding on to the, I was no longer repressing the emotions. I was no longer stuffing them down. And I'm here to say right now that when you stuff down these emotions, there is a physical change that happens inside of you because emotions are, you know, they're chemical based. They're inside of you. You, you shift, you feel different when you're scared, your chest might tighten up. There are physical responses to emotions. And I guarantee you, if you're stuffing down negative emotions, you're going to have some physical effects. You're going to be affected and it's going to be detrimental to your health. I'm just giving you my firsthand account that stuffing down negative emotions affects you physically. I mean, it's been studied where stress and unresolved emotions can be physically harmful, but uh, I've chosen to create a belief system that the more I hold on to, the more it physically harms me. And because I believe that, I don't like to keep that stuff inside of me. And so this is why it's probably maybe easier for me to do it on the fly because I know if I hold on to it, it's physically damaging, at least according to my belief system. And this is why I'm sharing this with you. Again, not that I'm telling you that you have to resolve these things on the fly. Sometimes you have to wait. Sometimes you have to process and figure out what to do next. But to be able to release them, uh, how do you do it? You can do it with the person that you're trying to argue with or communicate with. Uh, you can do it in therapy. You can do it in coaching. You can uh, do it in meditation. There's all kinds of ways to do it as long as it's effective and as long as it's working. Maybe there's some forgiveness process that you want to go through. Maybe there's other processes that uh, you've found along the way. But it's important that you do something. I believe you have to do something so that you don't sabotage your future. And all that means is, when you're holding on to something negative that doesn't feel very good, it's going to come out. It, you know, a conversation in the future that's going to be seemingly innocent and somebody's going to trigger you with something they do and they're not doing it on purpose. They just say something that means nothing and suddenly it's big. <laughs> suddenly you are in the moment and now it's coming out and then feelings are hurt and then sometimes relationships are ruined or People are fired or what have you. There's, there are all kinds of things that could happen because you've held on to something from so long ago. But when it comes down to bullying or someone confronting you in a way that's very uncomfortable or even makes you afraid, uh, where does that go? And it probably ends up staying inside or, like I said, being expressed or vent it out to someone else. Hopefully you do it with someone safe that's going to hear you, that's going to allow you to express this stuff. And or maybe you'll deal with it in the moment like I try to do most of the time. There are times when I won't and there are times that I don't because I always say choose your battles wisely. You don't want to get into some real confrontation that's going to ruin your day or your life. 
You just have to choose accordingly. And at the same time, we have to be aware that sometimes uh, we are not thinking straight. We are still thinking with the child mind as if we are still, whatever, six years old, 10 years old, or in my case, 16 or 17 when I was in high school. I know, 17, I was still getting bullied. Usually you get bullied when you're a kid, but it happens to a lot of us. When we're older teenagers, practically adults, and we're still getting bullied, and that's what was happening to me in high school. And it wasn't the typical, I'm going to beat you up kind of bullying. It was, oh, you're weak, so let me rip off your shirt. That really happened. Let me make fun of you. Let me call you names in front of these other people because I know you're not going to defend yourself. And that was me. I didn't defend myself. And they knew they could get away with it, and they had fun at my expense. So my point is with the uh, bullying is that we will have a tendency to stuff these emotions down if we aren't able to express them right away, to reach closure right away, to make peace right away in some way, or at least stand up and honor ourselves and say, hey, look, you need to back off. You know, I deserve to be respected. I'm respecting you. Um, that doesn't always work uh, with certain people. Again, pick your battles. But you also have to be aware of what you're capable of that you're not allowing yourself to do. For example, I think almost everyone is capable of standing up for themselves. I think almost everyone is capable of saying, hey, look, I don't deserve that kind of treatment. And be okay saying that because they honestly know they don't deserve that kind of treatment. When you can stand up and say, I don't deserve that kind of treatment, and maybe you might add, you need to back off or at least change the way you're treating me. When you can get comfortable saying that, we're all capable of doing it. It's just some of us have a fear of doing it because I, I guarantee you there's going to be a scenario someday in the future, or maybe you've already experienced it, where you're going to have to stand up no matter what, because either you're going to see someone getting picked on and you just see the unfairness, or maybe you have a kid and you'll protect that kid with your life. So you're going to stand up for that kid. There's a stand up person inside of you. Even if you've never done this, he or she is in there. They're in there. And when that stand-up person finally comes out, this is when you tell yourself that I am worth standing up for, or this person is worth standing up for. And if you haven't felt that, it doesn't mean you're not worth standing up for. It just means that the fear won. Or if it wasn't the fear, then like I said before, you, you're picking your battles wisely because you don't want to get into that mess. It could turn into something just ridiculous or a bunch of drama and you don't want to deal with it. And that's fine too. But you look at the patterns in your life. Do I always back down? Do I always uh, make sure that I don't confront because I don't want to deal with that? And if that's the case, what am I afraid of? What am I really fearing? Am I fearing a physical confrontation, a physical scuffle? Am I fearing someone yelling at me? Am I fearing someone leaving me or firing me? What is that fear? Because that's what really needs to be gotten in touch with. Once you understand what you're really fearing, what the consequences will really be, that's when you can start making headway in your life. You can actually start building up those areas of your life that allow you to enter conversations with people and situations with a little bit more confidence and a little bit more of knowing you better. Because it's hard to know you if you never confront your own fears. It's hard to know who you are if you're unwilling to look inward and ask yourself why you have these fears. I mean, the obvious answer is, well, I have these fears because I was, whatever, bullied in high school. My mom did this to me. My dad did this to me. You might have fears like that that are still holding on, that are still inside of you. But in the moment today, if something happened to you, if something came about that made you fearful or upset and you chose not to confront it, what is the fear or what is going on inside of you that is holding you back? And it can't be necessarily the easy answer. I mean, it can be if you want. <laughs> if you want to go there, that's fine. But I'm asking you to ask yourself, what about the reason is it still there? For example, I'll use my history. I was bullied in high school. Therefore, I don't want to face those people again because if I face those people again, I'll have this fear come up. Well, what is that fear about? What about 
being bullied makes me afraid? So this is a question you ask yourself. What about this confrontation makes me afraid? And so you might jump to a consequence. Well, the consequence of that confrontation might be I get fired, they leave me, uh, they punch me in the face. It could be a number of consequences. So you explore that. Why am I afraid of getting fired? Why am I afraid of getting punched in the face? Is that more important than my dignity and my integrity in this moment? It may be. I'm not saying it's not. But I want you to explore these things as they come up in you. So when you have a fear, when there's some sort of confrontation that comes up and you have a negative reaction rise up inside of you, that's your opportunity to explore that and go, okay, what am I fearing? Okay, what's the worst that could happen? Why do I fear that? Why do I have this feeling about that? And when you explore it, you're going to discover more about yourself and unpack what is so probably tight inside of you, that tight ball of upset, something that you've compartmentalized and put way down and never opened the box again to explore it. You just know that being confrontational is bad, so you put that in a little box inside of you and never open it again. It's just defined as bad. But let's open that box and go, well, why is it bad? How is it bad? What could happen? Okay, if that happened, then what? Why is that bad? You drill down into all your reasons and maybe all your excuses. Not so that you'll get braver next time and stand up to that person. It's not about that necessarily. It's about being comfortable in yourself so that whatever natural reaction really is in there without the fear is able to come out. I think that's important. When you can work through these fears or whatever feelings you have inside of you that tend to get stuff down there, then you're able to free another part of yourself, a more natural, more authentic part of yourself that is allowed to be, is allowed to exist so that when you are in other situations, it's not fear leading the way. It's not any type of upset leading the way. It's you. It's your authentic self. It's who you really want to be. And that's sometimes overshadowed by all these other things that we tend to stuff down. I'm going to read you some of that email when we get back and uh, we'll go over it. Be right back. working at an alarm company back in the early 90s and one of my jobs there I did a six-month stint in this one department in the service department where I took phone calls from people who needed service on their alarm some people would need service today like right now because you could hear the alarm going off in the background and they were very unhappy I was experiencing headaches every day and I just figured I'm stuck here. This is my lot in life. There's nothing else that I can do. I need the money. And then I got fired. <laughs> so the boss called me in and he said, well, basically I'm replacing you. And when I heard that news, I didn't want to hear it. At the same time, I felt this massive relief. My headache went away. My anxiety went away. It was a huge life change. I took a pay cut, went into another department, and I was happier than I'd ever been. I thought, why didn't I do this sooner? Why did I think I had to stay and continue to be anxious? And so I learned a lesson that day, and I learned a lot about anxiety too. So fast forward to today, I'm in a totally different occupation. I'm empowerment coach, and I've been doing this podcast for almost seven years now, and uh, I think I'm helping people through the same types of struggles. And uh, I created a product called the Safe Empowerment System for Social Anxiety because I know what it's like. I've been through it. It's not fun. And if you are experiencing any type of anxiety now and you've tried everything, you just can't figure out how to get rid of it, I want you to get this system. This is a powerful audio program that is designed to walk you through and out of anxiety. There are sections where you go through learning, so you do some homework. There are sections where you go through some coaching. 
In those sessions, you're going to learn a lot about the tools that you can carry with you so you can get out of anxiety moments. And then there are the emergency pods, which actually walk you through and out of an anxiety moment. So when you start experiencing it, you play this just a few minutes long emergency pod, and it's like you have a friend there walking you through it. And I just released a new emergency pod called um, Be Angry, because a lot of people with anxiety, they don't allow themselves to be angry. Or when they get angry, it's not very productive. It's not at the right people. Some of us just never get angry because we hold it in. And so this new emergency pod helps you connect with that. It's pretty interesting. If you have the safe system, you can download that now. And if you don't, uh, that is one of many that are coming throughout the year because you'll get updates as they are released. Uh, So it keeps giving value after you purchase it. So I want you to check it out. Go to quietbegins.com. If you're experiencing anxiety and especially social anxiety, it's good for both. It's been very helpful for many people with all types of anxiety. Maybe this is exactly what you're looking for. Quietbegins.com. I'm going to read this email from someone I'm going to call Jack. Jack says, hey, Paul, your podcast is a great listen. I try to listen to them regularly. I'm in my 40s and lack confidence and shy away from anything that puts me on show. During my teenage years, I was subject to constant physical and psychological bullying by a group of other boys. I became a loner as no one wanted to be associated with me. The rest of the school was instructed by the bullies to avoid me, otherwise they would be subjected to the same treatment as I was. I won't go into details about what they did to me, but their aim was trying to make me cry. From that point on, I was always determined not to cry, as this made me feel weak and ashamed. The more I held back the tears, the more the bullying happened, until I broke. The school failed to help, too. I remember putting in a request to change classes due to the bullying, It was denied even though they knew it was happening. The teachers always turned a blind eye. It was a complete nightmare for me. The bullying went on for the rest of my school life, affecting my schoolwork and my sanity. I always had to look over my shoulder at school, even during lesson time. I went to college afterward, which was a great experience, making new friends, knowing the bullies were now out of my life. And my home life was fine. In fact, it was a relief to be home. I avoided opening up to my parents, as I didn't want to burden them, Anyway, over the next few decades, I found that the experiences had affected me. I don't have much confidence, and I avoid putting myself on show. I just can't stand people watching me enjoying myself. It makes me feel guilty. When the bullies were trying to make me cry so long ago, it impacted my life. I can't cry in front of other people or show emotion. Even when my dad was on his deathbed and then later died, I fought back the tears as best I could. Everyone thought I was a rock, and they would come to me, but I was having a lot of trouble holding it together. I'm married now and I have a nice home life, but I can't show her any emotions. So bullying can affect someone later in life. What would you suggest to help me change? Thank you, Jack. All right, Jack, I feel for you. I I know that what you've gone through has affected what you're going through today. So here's what I want you to do. I mean, bullying is a big subject. And it's very difficult to solve the problem of bullying unless you put a lot of enforcements in place in schools and workplace. And a lot of them are in place and a lot of them are very effective, but it's still going to happen. Even as adults, it's still going to happen. And so, yes, there, you know, my last segment, I talked about who are you in the moment. It's hard to be anything else than who you are in the moment. I know this, who you're showing up as When, like you said, you're on show, when you are enjoying yourself, you actually can't enjoy yourself because you probably feel like you're looking over your shoulder. Where I go with this, one of the first things that you said is that you are always determined not to cry because it made you feel weak and ashamed. So remember the last segment when I talked about putting something in a box and just leaving it there and, oh, I don't want to feel weak and ashamed So I must do this behavior so I never feel those things. What I like to do, and I think this is good advice, is to take the box out and understand what weak and ashamed are and also understand why I fear those things. So for you, Jack, yes, 
your box is weak and ashamed. I'm assuming that you haven't explored that too much because you don't like feeling weak and you don't like the feeling of shame. So there's no reason to explore it because I know I don't like it. So I'm just not going to touch it. I'm just going to know that I don't like feeling that. So there's no reason to explore why I don't like feeling that. But let's open that box. Let's figure out what is so bad about feeling weak. Why is it a bad thing? And, you know, the obvious answers come up first. The obvious answers are, well, I don't want to feel weak. If I'm weak, then they're going to laugh at me or I could get beat up. And, uh, you know, other things can happen because I'm weak. Okay, you know, keep that in mind and ask the same question about shame. Why is it a bad thing to feel shame? Oh, I don't like feeling shame. That's a terrible feeling. Yeah, but just ask yourself, how is it bad? Why is it bad? What, what are your reasons for shame being a bad thing? Is it because you were taught that it's bad? You might have an answer like, well, it puts me in a state of fear. Okay, well, how is feeling fear a bad thing? This is where we drill down. I have other episodes where I talk about drilling down into the emotions, into the feelings, into those words that we have in boxes inside of us. And we ask ourselves, well, how is that a bad thing? How is that a problem for me? If you're weak, if someone's going to beat you up, now you drill down even further into that box. How is that a problem if they beat you up? And I'm going to throw this out there, not that I mean it, but I'm just going to ask you to accept this at some psychological level to help you squash this and say, so what if they beat you up? Don't really mean it. <laughs> I don't want you to get beat up. But, you know, you're in your 40s now. So what if they beat you up? Not trying to be heartless. <laughs> I don't want you in a fight. I don't want it to happen at all. I'm trying to help you squash something that you're holding on to inside of you. So what if people see that you're weak? Who cares? I don't mean it. I just want you to try it on. Uh, help it neutralize what thoughts are in there that keep you from going to that place, that keep you resisting what's going on inside of you. I might feel ashamed if someone sees me enjoying myself. So what? Don't mean that. <laughs> You're starting to get my pattern here. Of course I don't mean that. I want you to be happy. I want you to be respected. I don't want you to feel shame. I definitely don't want you to feel bad. I would love for you to cry. Crying is wonderful, by the way. And when you allow yourself to do it, a lot of these feelings could go away. I'm not giving you the solution here. I'm not saying just cry and it's, it's a done deal. But if you're not crying, how is the negativity being expressed? How is it coming out? Is it coming out in other ways destructively? I know if I was married to you, I wouldn't want you to be emotionless. I kind of want that emotional connection. If I have a partner that's not emotional, then how is this person a partner? At least for me, I define a romantic relationship as someone who has an emotional connection with me. I mean, there's more to that definition, but, and I know you know this, Jack. I know you know this. I know you want to be emotional because I didn't read your, the entirety of your email, but I get from you that you want to be happy that you want to emotionally connect, that you want to cry, maybe. I mean, you probably don't want to cry, but let me tell you this. Crying is so healthy. It is so stress relieving. It is so, it is such a relief. And I know I just can't tell you to cry and it's going to happen. But I, I'm just saying this to help your brain give you permission to cry and look weak and feel shame and feel guilty. You said something about guilt in your letter too. I don't think I read it on the air, but there was guilt in there as well. Feel it. Allow yourself to feel it because who cares? Again, it's not because I don't care. It's because I want your brain to start realizing that the intensity that you feel about all these things isn't the same as it used to be when you were younger. Again, this is just talk. I'm not saying that you can just turn this on and off like a light switch. I'm not saying, hey, forget about your past and just turn into someone new. I'm planting little seeds inside of you that I hope will blossom 
into something that allows you to expand who you are without shame, without fear, without care. If someone looks at you and laughs because you're crying, oh, that's a scary thought. Somebody's laughing because I'm crying. F you. <laughs> you want to say to them, you just want to, you don't care. If you get into that space of not caring, not that I want you there, I'm asking your brain to do this, not you. The brain says, you know what? I really don't care if someone sees me crying, I'm going to cry. And we'll just see what happens. But the fear kicks in. The fear kicks in and prevents us from doing so. And that's why we're not doing it. And so this is the second part of my um, reply here to you, Jack, is that when the fear kicks in, it's the opportunity to understand the fear so much that if you knew what would make you brave or courageous, are you willing to go in the direction that builds that part of you up? So let me explain that. When I left high school and I moved down to Florida and I met a girl and we bought a condo and we moved in together, after a few years, we started doing martial arts together. And I tell you what, I did, we did martial arts for about four years. And um, after I was done, I mean, you're never done. <laughs> when you're doing martial arts, it's kind of a lifestyle. But I did about four years of it. But after I did those four years, I felt pretty darn confident in myself. I felt like I could handle myself. That's a good feeling, especially coming from high school where I was afraid to get punched. I was afraid to confront. I was afraid of the consequences of getting beat up. Yes, that was me. I didn't want to get beat up. I wanted to avoid, avoid, avoid. And by avoiding, I didn't have to worry about getting beat up. The truth is I never got into a fight, but I was so good at diplomacy I didn't have to. Now I have that diplomacy because just like you, Jack, you probably have excellent diplomacy skills. <laughs> you probably know how to avoid confrontation. Now that you have those resources, what are you weak in? What needs strengthening? You know, we talked about people seeing you weak. Okay, let's, let's explore that. Where am I weak? Well, I'm, I'm weak in this area that uh, somebody might see me cry. Okay, what about that is a problem? If somebody sees me cry, that means they see me as what? Weak. If they see me as weak, how is that a problem? Well, if they see me as weak, then they could take advantage of me. Okay, how could they take advantage of you? Well, they, they might be able to uh, laugh at me. Okay, if they laughed at you, how is that an issue? Why, why is that such a, a big deal? Well, if they're laughing at me, then I feel small. I feel unimportant. I feel like uh, no one likes me. Okay, let's just say no one likes you. How is that a big deal? You know, we're drilling down, drilling down, drilling down. Well, if no one likes me, then I feel alone. I feel afraid. Why are you afraid? Because I'm alone. Why are you afraid when you're alone? Well, if I'm alone, I don't know if I could, you know, where do, where do you go with this, Jack? I don't know for you. For me, if I'm alone, you know, I'm just trying this on. Uh, I need help. I don't think I can take care of myself. I don't know if I'm strong enough. You know, those other words might come up. Uh, from the opposite of weak, strong, I need strength. Where does that lead me? If I'm in your shoes, Jack, that leads me into a space of, well, what do I need to strengthen? If I was stronger physically, would that help? If I was stronger mentally, would that help? Probably yes to both. For me. For me, it was, hey, I'm going to get physically stronger, and I'm also going to know what to do if a physical confrontation arises. I'm not saying this is all about learning how to protect yourself and fight and all that stuff. It's not about that at all. It's about exploring what needs strengthening in you and doing that. So instead of trying to figure out how to avoid confrontations or trying to hold back tears and be emotionless so that no one sees you as weak and you feel shame and guilty, explore what needs strengthening and go in that direction so that you can build that up. So that when you're in a situation, you feel better about yourself. This is really what it all comes down to. Feeling better about yourself. I just sent out an email uh, to the newsletter subscribers today about self-worth. I look at self-worth, how worthy you feel, how important you feel, how significant you feel, as one of the number one components to happiness. 
if you don't have high self-worth, you may not be as happy as you could be or happy at all. I mean, you might have an issue there and you have to deal with it. And so what do you do about it? And I look at what we're talking about today as an example of this. I don't feel strong in this area of my life. So how do I strengthen that? For you, Jack, it's going to be a very particular answer. You're going to have your own criteria for what that is. You're going to have your own definition of weak. How are you weak? Where are you weak? And I'm still here to say that what's the problem with being weak? There's a lot of areas that I feel weak. And every time I think of one, I bring it on the air. (laughs) And I tell the world about it. Because I want them to see me cry. Why would I want that? That's awful. I mean, not that I'm crying on the air, but I'm letting people see my weakness. I'm, I'm using your challenge as the analogy here. I want them to see me cry, which means I want them to see me weak. I want you to see me weak. And when I come on the air and I'm weak, Jack, do you see me as weak? Do you sense that I should feel inferior in any way? I'm not saying I do or I don't. I'm just asking you. When you hear me talk about my vulnerabilities, my weaknesses, things that I feel guilty about, things that I feel ashamed about, things that I'm not completely resolved with, you know, old judgment issues that kick in every now and then, old emotional abusive behavior that I thought I've healed from a long time ago that little bits and pieces still arrive and I go, whoa, I have to back off and realize, oh, they're still in there. Got to heal from that. Got to work on that. Just little bits and pieces that come up. Then I bring them on the air and I talk about them and I tell hundreds of thousands of people. When you hear me talk about that, do you feel like, oh my God, I can't listen to this guy. He has problems. (laughs) I hope not. I hope you're listening because I'm sharing this stuff with you, because I'm vulnerable with you. I come on here to be vulnerable for many reasons, but one of them is to show you that this is a healthy, wonderful place to be, especially when you have people that love you and want to see the real you and have trouble seeing that because you're afraid to show it because of fears, maybe really old fears. If you can express yourself to these people and allow yourself to cry and allow yourself to look weak. I mean, I can put myself in your shoes, Jack, right now. And if I was in front of my wife, your wife, and uh, I had something that inside of me that I didn't want to share with her, I think the first thing I would do is say, there's something I want to share with you and I'm so afraid to do it because I have a feeling you're going to see me as weak, pathetic, and I'm going to feel ashamed and I know you're going to look at me with judgmental eyes. I would just put it all out there. I have a feeling the response you're going to get is, please share, please put it out there. Of all people that you can share this with, you can share it with me. I have a feeling that's what you're going to hear because someone who sticks around with someone who has trouble expressing emotion is probably making it up for the both of you. And you don't want her to continue doing that. That's going to burn her out too. So it's time to access what's going on inside of you and allow it to come out. If it has to come out in tears, then make it powerful. Make it intense. Have the most tears you've ever cried because that is probably the safest person in the world to do that in front of. And if you can get past that hurdle, it's going to make your life completely different. It's going to change your world. There's a lot to soak in today, but I know you can do this. It may involve you getting the strength just to admit to yourself that you're not perfect, that you're not a rock, that you can't show up continuing to hide your true self, your true feelings, the person you really are underneath, because it's going to wear you down, wear you out. And when people can't see the real you, they have to interpret who the real you is, and they're almost always wrong. So it is time to have this come up and let this be, no matter how difficult it is. This isn't necessarily one of those face your fears moments, because like I said earlier, you work on something that you need to strengthen. You work on your weaknesses, your vulnerabilities, and then you'll start developing little sense of self-confidence and self-esteem. And you'll realize that you can do this. You just don't have enough, maybe. Maybe there's like not enough self-confidence in you to take some of these steps. So you do have to build some areas of your life that might need that. 
And my last piece of advice is very similar to what I've already said. You get to the point where you just say, you know what? I'm going to show you this person that I am underneath and I don't care about the consequences. I don't care. If you see me as weak and pathetic, I don't care. But I have to get this out because I don't want to hold on to it. I hope this helps you, Jack. I hope this helps anyone that uh, is going through something similar. Um, I know it's not easy. I know it's very complex and it's not a light switch that you can just turn on and everything's good. Um, But maybe this little seeds of insight, of clarity can help you get to a better place. Thanks so much for joining me today. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to remind you to go to quietbegins.com if you need to quiet your mind of all that anxiety. If you're experiencing it, check it out, quietbegins.com. I also want to thank the supporters of The Overwhelmed Brain. Anyone that supports the show for more than six months gets their name on the wall of supporters. What do I call it? In appreciation, The Overwhelmed Brain honored financial supporters. Yes, I honor you for showing your support. And of course, when you support the show through the patron site at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com, you get some goodies back as well. I've created many, many private episodes and private workbooks that you can't get anywhere else. And I'm also creating this very, very short, like one to three minute videos to help you learn something quick and take a while to implement it if you need to. Very easy to watch, very digestible and um, more to come. So thank you, patrons. If you want to support the show, head over to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And I want to remind you, if you're in a relationship that you find difficult, that you find maybe there's some mistreatment going on, or you're just pulling your hair out and you can't figure out why the relationship is so complex, head over to loveandabuse.com. That is my other podcast, my other show, and also where I sell the mean workbook on emotionally abusive and toxic behavior. Loveandabuse.com. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of their music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And to close the show, I want to say one thing. Just one thing. I'll probably say many subsets of this one thing, but (laughs) it's one thing, which is you have it in you to do what you want to do. It's in there. We're all born with the same pretty much abilities. Some of us aren't so lucky and some of us have some problems here and there, but we all have a very similar brain. And some of us expand upon it and make it smarter than everyone else. And I feel very inferior to those people. (laughs) And then some of us don't do as much as we can with our brain. And, you know, we limit ourselves because we are not maybe strengthening some areas or learning about certain things. But some of us are perfectly happy where we are. And it's all fine. It's all good. No one's better or worse. I'm just saying that what you want to do, because you have the thought of, I want to do that, you are capable of doing it. You know, this is personal growth 101. I know if you think it, you can achieve it. I know it sounds like that. I try not to be generic like that, but I'm just talking about behavior. And I really believe that when you want to say something to someone but fear holds you back. You can do it. I know you can. You just don't want to. There's a consequence about it, and you don't like the idea of consequence or that particular consequence. So you don't. But you are capable of doing it. And so taking that giant leap into the behavior that you want to do isn't so giant. It Actually, the leap gets smaller and smaller and smaller when you take those baby steps toward strengthening who you are, where you need strengthening. And again, you may be perfectly happy where you are and everything's fine. And I'm not talking to you if that's you. I'm talking to you if you really want to do something, but you instead don't. Like the person who wrote the email, Jack, he may really want to do something in particular in his life, but he chooses not to because there's a fear or something else that comes up. Okay, let's explore that fear. Let's take that box out. Let's figure out what I need to work on. After I took martial arts myself, it's not that I wanted to get into a fight and it's not that I tried to confront. It's not that I was overly assertive and showing any type of dominance or 
superiority. It wasn't like that at all. What it was, though, was the ability to stand up in those moments I couldn't stand up before. And it doesn't mean I just became defensive or offensive. It just means I stood my ground. I felt good being me. I worked on me. I strengthened me in many ways. It wasn't just physical strength. It wasn't the ability to defend myself. It was that combined with the discipline of working on myself, of continuing to do something that made me so confident that if anything happened, that I wouldn't even have to think about it. And facing moments where I had the choice to honor myself or not from that point on, there were still times I didn't want to, but I chose to. And like I've said on other episodes, if you've been listening a while, every time I chose to honor myself and say what I really wanted to say, the result was nothing like I expected. The expectation was always the fearful image I painted that would happen, the outcome that I knew was going to be the outcome, and none of it happened. And all my fears were leading the way. They were painting a future that didn't exist and limited me in so many ways. Don't allow your fears to paint your future. Work on what needs strengthening. Continue to improve yourself. Continue to work on yourself. And every giant leap becomes smaller and smaller. It's still a challenge, but you find that each challenge you tackle, each one you overcome, prepares you for the next one, instills confidence in you, continues to strengthen you. And pretty soon, you're walking around completely fearless. Not really. (laughs) I added that little one at the end. I still have fears. They still kick in. I'm just here to say that if you don't do anything, then you have nothing but fear. And so you work on these fears one at a time, and eventually you do feel pretty darn good about yourself, and that's what I want you to feel. And if you're not there yet, you know, give yourself some time. Be patient. Keep an open mind so that you can step into your power. This will help you be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, And this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing.